You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. For the line, she is gone. Aaron Judge, line one right down the line. Swung on and line to right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third, scoring kind of from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center, it is high. It is far, it is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back from the All-Star break. Welcome to the Bomber Brothers podcast brought to you by WFAN and Odyssey. Sean and Ryan Chichester back to look ahead to the second half of the season as we're coming here out of the break and we get started with a bang, a doubleheader in Houston, part of the Make up from the first week of the season being banged because of the lockout. Um, but first, Sean, there was still still plenty of All Star break action. I mean, outside of just the Soto rumors and keeping up with all that, we had um, a home run derby. We had some Yankees shining bright in the All Star game, and then we had the premiere, which continues tonight as we record on a Thursday. Yeah, I mean, the the Home Run Derby was super fun. Um, Soto won, which was kind of a crazy – I did not think he had a chance to win, especially after, um, you know, the, fir- <laughs> the first two rounds. But, um, you know, over- overall, I thought it was uh, really a fun derby. I- it was awesome to see Pujols win in the first round and then push the, the second round, uh, you know, right to the end there. Uh, and then, you know, look, the All-Star game, the Yankees – I know Judge, what, he was over two with two Ks, but – um, Stanton winds up winning MVP with the mammoth, just Stantonian home run, which was great. And, um, you know, uh, Holmes pitched what two thirds of, of, of an inning and, and Nestor was great. He had two K's in his inning and him and Trevino being mic'd up, I thought was one of the highlights of the game. Just hearing them work through, uh, the, the batters was, was pretty awesome. And in between all that, you get to see the premiere of the captain. Um, I know we had seen it already in in Tribeca, but uh, what what did you think watching it a second time? I loved it just as much as as the first time I watched it, and it was cool watching it alongside someone else watching it with my girlfriend, and she was experiencing it for the first time, and that was cool to uh, to witness. And it was yeah, it was it was a very it was very well done. I'm, Super, super excited for what's to come as we get more into the prime of his career and some of the big moments that we loved so much. And again, I, I know I've said this before, but I was worried this kind of documentary could just turn into a, a rehashing of a career and moments that we already know so well because of how much Jeter was in the spotlight and how little he uh, talked about it. But it, this it definitely seems like 
this uh, interview with with Randy and these thirty plus hours of talking with him are a lot a lot different than how we've heard him in the past behind a microphone when we're used to seeing him after games or at press conferences, whatever it may be from what we witnessed for 20 plus years. But I, I loved it. I absolutely loved how they captured draft day and got to see all that footage of him in his house with his parents and his sister waiting to hear the phone ring. And um, I think they also did an awesome job of using his childhood idol, Dave Winfield, to kind of thread, you know, these two different eras in Yankee history where you have Steinbrenner eventually having to take a back seat because of what he did in terms of Dave Winfield and trying to dig up dirt on him and how that leads to basically Jeter becoming a Yankee. So I thought that was a perfect sensical bridge to kind of show people how that led to Jeter and the rest of the core four becoming such a big part of the Yankees. And it was done really well. Yeah. The, the thread of just Steinbrenner blinded by his hate for Winfield to his suspension to the Yankees, not being good. So they have a high draft pick and being able to keep all these draft picks because Steinbrenner is not around. And then what, you know, what happens in the, on the draft is pretty crazy. Like my wife was like blown away by that part. Just like how much, everything had to go exactly in a certain way to, to bring Derek Jeter to the Yankees, including Hal Newhouser just retiring from baseball over it. It pretty, pretty crazy. Um, and I, I thought another really high point um, and credit to Randy for capturing this was the importance of the 95 team for not only Derek Jeter, but for the the remainder of the, I mean, not the for the rest of the core that stayed intact. Like that series is so pivotal and, and so important in the history of this dynasty. And they really, really captured it re- very well in, in what that meant uh, to, you know, to the whole team. And I, I thought that was, to me, that was actually probably the high point. I think, um, you know, I think Derek was more raw, didn't reveal all that much personally. I thought his mom did an awesome job. I like I I, I when I, we saw it in Tribeca and even watching it the second time, I thought his mom was the the best part. Like just being very open and and showing how hurt some of the rate racism like hurt her um, for for marrying a black man is just like you know that that that's the stuff that you're like wow like you know I I don't think about this all the time when I look at Derek Jeter. I thought that was really really well done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. I think she gave the best interview and talking about how, you know, she was asked to take down family photos at work and everything like that was was absolutely heartbreaking. But it was uh it was powerful. It was a great, great uh start to the documentary. I love the pacing of it. I love how we're through part one and we're already about to get started on, on Jeter's rookie year because I I feel like in terms of his upbringing and high school baseball, you can't you it's it's a well-known story. He was a diehard Yankee fan growing up. I think they spent a perfect amount of time on it, given how much of that we already know. And now we know that we're going to get six more hours where we just get to focus on Jeter's professional baseball life and what was going, what you know, what he was doing off the field during that time. And it seems like we're going to get a lot more detailed look at at his Yankee career because we're already up to this point in the timeline. Yeah, that that I I disagree. Actually, I. 
I would have liked to have spent a little more time with Derek in his childhood and, um, you know, his upbringing, honestly, I thought they did a great job in what they did cover, but, um, I want to know what Derek Jeter's high school life was like when he wasn't playing baseball. Um, you know, like they interviewed one of his friends, I think. And he was just like, if you went to Derek's house and he was not done hitting, you were just going to wait. Like, I would like to hear a little bit more about that. I, I'm, I do not like the Tiger Woods documentary that they did, but they, I thought they covered enough of his early life, like away from golf, like talking about what he was like. Um, I thought that was one piece in that documentary that I liked out of a ton. I didn't, but um, I, I would have liked to hear a little bit more about that. You know, that he tells the anecdote about when somebody uses the N word at him, when he comes back home, he talks about how he was always being stared at, but I, I could have used a little bit more there. Um, and then I also thought the, the switch from he's struggling in the minor leagues to he's the minor league player of the year feels very abrupt. Like he basically says, you're going to have to challenge yourself. Can you do this? There was no really like, and then he stuck with it and, and got there or, and then he started working with Brian Butterfield. You know what I mean? It was just like, you're going to, it's a nitpick. I, I, I admit to that, but it just felt like the only weird transition in that it was like Derek Jeter stinks. And now all of a sudden Derek Jeter is a minor league player of the year. Just felt felt weird watching it the second time. I kind of caught on to that, but um, the one thing I would have liked was to spend more time with him as as a kid because the stuff they showed was gold. Like uh, him run, running around, even like as a two year old in that uh, those uh, overall the white yeah. overalls with no undershirt, like such you know. And watching it with the audience, we had all those laughs, you know, in there. It was it was really fun, but um, you know, I look. I, I, I think it's not bad that you're left wanting a little bit more because I feel like even though Jeter's being a little bit more raw, Derek Jeter's always going to leave you wanting more. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess when it comes to his high school life, maybe there just isn't that much to tell. He probably, you, I, at least I could picture or imagine his high school life away from playing high school baseball to probably be pretty dull aside from practicing baseball and probably not, um, you know, going out and living too much of a quote unquote normal high school life. Cause he was so dedicated to becoming the best high school baseball player in the country. So I'm sure there just was a lot of nights in his garage batting cage or whatever. I think I remember an interview once where he said there was just one time he got in trouble in high school when he like went out with one of his friends who had like taken his parents car or something. But other than that, I'm sure there probably wasn't, too much else to tell but I definitely agree about the um, transition in in his minor league life I would have liked to spend a little more time with him talking about you know exactly what he went over and what he practiced with Brian Butterfield to turn his um, to turn his career around in in the minor league specifically in the field but again even if it's just like he just needed more reps like you just needed like one transition that that's it yeah, and we also don't know what Randy wanted to put in and what ESPN kind of nixed because we heard Randy say that they had enough to do like a 10-part a series if they wanted to, but ESPN said, oh, seven's probably enough. So I'm sure there was more. Maybe we'll get a director's cut someday. Oh, man, release the Randy cut. Um, <laughs> apparently, the release the Snyder cut was a hoax. But yeah, I mean, I definitely yep. wanted to see the Snyder cut. I'm glad we got it. Um, but yeah, no, I look, I thought Randy did a great job. It, it, to me, even just watching this first episode, you could see he understands how to tell the story and really uh, put the exclamation part, 
uh, had put the exclamation point on the big moments. Like the, like I was talking about with the, the 95 thing. And like you were talking about the draft day stuff is excellent. And it's crazy that they used to do the draft like that. But I thought Randy did a, you know, a plus for Randy for me, not just because he was kind enough to speak with us last week, go back and listen to that if you haven't. Um, But I, I thought the direction was great. Like, and the stuff in like 95, I can't get over how good it is. Like I was just getting so pumped, even rewatching it last night. When you're hearing from Cone, I thought Showalter's interviews were fantastic. Like I could listen to, I could listen to Buck Showalter talk all day, all day. Yeah. Well, he's the man. I have to listen to a lot of his, well, not have to, I get to listen to a lot of his interviews nowadays for, for work. And it's, it's a treat every time he is, he is awesome. Definitely. Uh, Definitely can uh, make you laugh a lot, but no, I, I agree. I was I, I just watching the '95 stuff and again. I was five years old at the time. I have no conscious memory of what was going on during the '95 season, but it definitely made me wish, like, man, if I could have just been born like a few years earlier, so I could have experienced that and not just experienced it, but experienced it with like the memory of everything that happened before, with how bad the Yankees were and. I, that probably would have been a pretty, pretty incredible time. Yeah. I think, um, you know, watching it, I, yeah, I talk about being left wanting more, uh, the scenes with Bernie where he talks about what it was like coming up before they got rid of the kind of the rotten part of the, the old core from the early nineties and replaced it with guys like O'Neill and Cone. Um, it just left me wanting, like, I want to hear the whole story of all of these guys, like, I want the documentary on the dynasty like that. That's what I want. And I mean, it's been written about the birth of the dynasty is a great book. Uh, The last night of the Yankees dynasty is a great book, but it's just like, you see it and you're like, damn, I I want that story. I want that. You know what I mean? It's there's so much that you want, but um, yeah, I thought they did an absolutely tremendous job of doing that. And, you know, like, like I remember like 1995, what happened? I don't remember watching any of it i don't think i watched much of it because you know i'm only a couple of years older than you um 96 is the first year where i have vivid memories of specific moments in games i just remember 95 like being told the yankees are losing the yankees are winning like what you know just like our dad or mom like telling us like yankees lost last night yankees won they, they got eliminated all that kind of good stuff but um yeah it's it's a crazy series and um yeah, I just it's it's awesome that they brought Jeter and uh, there, even though he been he wasn't even on the roster. Yeah, that was cool, and and it was cool hearing hearing from Bernie, who when they tried to sign, they hid away at a baseball complex in Cheshire, Connecticut, so nobody else could get him, which was right down the street from where I used to live in Connecticut. I was hoping that would get a mention, but it's not a Bernie documentary. All right, well, we're definitely excited for part two. Um, and during the rest of the baseball in action, there was the Derby and the All-Star game. I know we're in kind of universal agreement that we're much more into the Derby than the All-Star game nowadays. I love the Derby. I watch it every year. Um, the All-Star game, not so much. I think it's kind of reflected nationwide as it would record low viewership again for the All-Star game. Um, but Stanton still gave a gave plenty of reason for Yankee fans at least to be excited about it. Like you said, he crushed that home run. That was the hardest hit home run in the all-star game in the StatCast era, second farthest 457 feet. And just really cool for Stanton because 
he's from the LA area and he was saying after the game how he used to sit in those left field seats and try to catch balls and get autographs so I mean personally if I was a kid I'd be almost a little frightened to catch Stanton's home runs because because they're hit so hard um but yeah that was that was a cool moment for Stan and like you mentioned at the beginning a cool moment for pretty much all the Yankees that were involved and you know Trevino also also had a hit so that that was awesome for him when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, I, it was really fun, uh, fun all-star weekend, uh, one day shorter than it's been in the past because we're, we're looking already at a doubleheader today. But um, I thought it was really fun for for some of the Yankees, especially Nestor. It felt special for Nestor and Trevino, and it was cool to stand, for Stanton to kind of just play Superman there. And, um, yeah, I thought it was went, went perfectly. You know, you want – you know, Judge went over two, but Judge has had a big home run at an all-star game before. So he's had his moment um, in, in the game. But yeah, super, super fun weekend. I I, I get what you mean. I, I I did, you know, try to watch when I knew the Yankees were, were participating and uh, in the game itself. But, um, you know, the Derby, I'm kind of locked into. And that's, you know, that's an investment where it's not like you're watching a game and you could poke in and out in the fifth inning. If it's like four to one, you have to be like locked in all the time at the Derby and you know, it's a lot to watch two nights in a row like that. So um, definitely understand as the Derby's gotten better, maybe the all-star game kind of has, has uh, taken a little bit of a backseat. And I'm sure that's true of the NBA too. Um, you know, the dunk contest is so part of our culture. And then the the, all, the NBA all-star game isn't exactly. Uh, and I think the MLB all-star game still was the highest rated of all the professional sport all-star games in the last year, but still the lowest for the, MLB. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me cuz I don't think there is much general interest in the actual All-Star game of any of the four major sports. I mean, the, the Pro Bowl nobody watches. Yeah. It's just that that's a struggle with schedule and participation cuz it's around the Super Bowl and then the NBA All-Star game is just a a joke where there's not a hint of defense played and it's just back and forth down the court with half court shots or whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, not enough people watch hockey for the all-star game to be very impactful, but I want, I wonder what they could do to draw more interest in, in the actual game itself. I, I think you're definitely right. I think the home run derby has more interest. So then by the time it's the next night, a lot of people are probably like, Oh, well, it's the all-star break. I'm going to take a break from, watching baseball and I'll come back when the games actually count. I know a lot of my, my friends when we were watching the Derby say they miss when the all-star game mattered in terms of home field advantage and in the world series, which certainly raises the stakes of the game itself. But 
I, I, I don't miss that. Yeah, I personally don't. Um, yeah. I personally don't think that that should be brought back. I think it definitely should be reflected on the actual games between or the records between the two teams that are going to be playing in the World Series. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what else they could really really do to draw more interest. I think miking up the players is a great idea. I think they should do more of it. Like you mentioned, the Nestor Trevino stuff where they're talking through what they want to, how they want to pitch to Austin Riley was, was really cool. Um, having judge and Stan mic'd up together in the outfield was really cool. So, but again, like those, I don't know, those moments are like the moments that are going to be clipped and put on Twitter and you're going to see anyway. So yeah, I don't know. It's going it, to, it's going to be tough to kind of, bring a much wider range of interest in that game. Yeah. I, th- I think you're not going to have moments in the all-star game that are super exciting because you don't really care. I mean, you want the American league to win as a Yankee fan, but I mean, does that affect you at the end? I mean, all they do is win, but does that affect you? No. Um, but, and like you said, like all of the moments you're going to watch, you can kind of watch back on Twitter or, you know, you can just pop in when you know, judges coming up or Stanton's coming up or they're going to put Trevino behind the plate. Um, and, you know, I, I think you should look at it all encompassing. Like does the home run derby have more viewership now than it used to, are more people checking in or more people interacting on social media with it? Probably. I think that there's just other ways to consume the game now. And when it's not something that's really um, kind of like playing out like a live drama where you, you care about the outcome and don't know the outcome. It's easier to just say, I'll just check in on it. You know, it's like a TV show. You could watch it on demand or, or, or whatnot. Um, so definitely, but you know, ab- about that, I've, I saw that MLB attendance is, is trending downward here through, through the first half. Um, you know, th- that, that might be a bigger problem for baseball rather than the all-star game game viewership and i think they're working to make the game more attractive for younger people by trying to put in the pitch clock and you know a little bit more action in the field but um definitely a lot of work to do even even after the changes post uh post lockout yeah well i think you said it right there i, I kind of was expecting a little bit of a downtick because you're going to have that group of people that were turned off by the lockout even though it only impacted one week of the season there's a lot of fans out there that hear the, and you know, which in my opinion is a little misguided, but you hear the old millionaires versus billionaires fight and how that turns them off and it should be a game and you you get to play this game and it's not actually millionaires versus billionaires because of how many major league players don't make that kind of money. But I think that just turns a lot of people off and it's probably going to take them a little while to, to come back. It's obviously not on the same scale as the attendance hit that happened after the strike in 94, but I'm sure there is a little bit of a fallout from that. And then at the same time, I think a lot of people overall are just staying home more than usual. I think the, I think the pandemic affected that as well. And people are more comfortable just sitting at home and, you know, streaming a movie instead of going to the movies or watching a game on TV instead of going to the game. I know that that will never change for people like us who grew up obsessed with baseball and wanting to be around that atmosphere. So I'm always going to go, but there are definitely more casual fans that are going to sit at, you know, relax at home instead of go to a game. And then on top of all that, you also have, have the prices. I don't, I don't drink, but it's what $15 for a, a beer nowadays at a game. I can't even, can't even imagine doing that. Yeah. I mean, 
the prices are one thing. And I think when you're young, like I remember being in college, like being like, I'm going to do this every day when I have a regular job. Like I have, you know, when I'm able to afford to go to multiple games, like when I have a real big boy job. And as you get older, it's not that easy to wake up after going to a game and not getting <laughs> home till super late. It's, you know, it takes a commitment. You have to get out of work at a certain time, get over to the stadium. And if they're not attracting young people, then those people that kind of have that more youthful mindset have a harder time getting the game. And for me personally, it's more out of inconvenience. I've definitely over the last few years gone to fewer games than I'd like to just because I can't get to the stadium in time. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I can't, you know, if I take the train in, I can't get home until after midnight, most likely. And like the traffic's gotten significantly worse coming from New Jersey for, for us, I think. And there, there were times even like 2012, I would get out of work at five o'clock in, you know, the Edison Woodbridge area and be able to make it in time for first pitch without a problem, like go home, change my clothes and, you know, get to the stadium in under an hour and a half. Like, but that's impossible now. Like for me, it's just that. I think that the traffic's getting worse around the stadium that they should work on making the uh, experience of getting the games more convenient for, for fans, like getting to Madison square garden for a seven o'clock game, whether it be the Knicks or the Rangers, when you get out of work at five o'clock in New Jersey, that's not a problem. But oh yeah, love you know, just hopping on a train, getting right to a Knicks game, yeah. or for me a Devils game, even easier. But so, um, yeah, it's no, you're it's brutal. I mean, going to the stadium on a Friday night in the summer is among one of the most infuriating experiences I've ever I've ever been through. And that should be what you look forward to, right? Friday night game no work the next day. Like that should be like the perfect way to end a week, but you're just like, Oh, if I do this, I got to probably get out of work early. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to sit in two hours of traffic at a minimum and it's, it's wild. Like, you know, if you take the train, it, it's not any better. Yeah. Anyway, these are, these are Jersey problems. I bet if you live in Manhattan or, or Brooklyn or the Bronx, you're, you're like, Oh yeah. People are stupid. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess one more highlight from the all-star break before we look ahead, but everyone's talking about judge's response to Marley Rivera's question. What did you, what did you think of it? I mean, at, Nothing at work at the fan. A lot of people, some people are like, Oh, he's gone. But I, I, I didn't, personally, I didn't think a thing about it. Yeah. I, I personally just thought he felt put on the spot and didn't really know what to say. So just kind of, was in scramble mode and said the first thing that came to mind and it had no bearing on what he's actually thinking or feeling. And if I obviously have no knowledge of judge's thoughts or how he's feeling heading towards the end of the season, but I would imagine that he's probably not thinking much of it at all at this point. He's probably in his head thinking I'm going to go to free agency and I have no I want to stay with the Yankees, but right now I have no, you know, I'm not leaning a certain way, whether staying or going, because I don't know what the uh, market's going to look like for me yet. So he's probably not even thinking about it much. And that question probably just caught him off guard. And then, of, of course, people were, were going to run with it. But I, I personally don't put much weight, if any, at all into into his response. I, I thought nothing of it. I thought it was blown up for no good reason. A child asked the question and he's addressing a child, Jacob. Very biblical yeah. Name. Look what you did, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Everybody uh, in panic. And 
Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, he's addressing a kid who's concerned about his, his fandom. Right. And I think judges like, look, I don't think judge is saying he's leaving. I don't think he wants to say he's staying. If, if he was like, Jacob, I'm going to stay, don't worry about it. We're going to work it out. That's not true. That's a lie. Yeah. And I mean, not, it, you don't know that if that's going to happen or not. So are you going to tell child this? And, you know, you want to give um, a sub subs, an answer with substance to a kid because you don't want to just treat him like a reporter with non-speak. And I, I thought it it's, you know what? I've watched my favorite player walk from the Yankees. Like my favorite player from the time I can remember rooting for them in, in, until 2001 when Tino left freaking sucks, but life goes on. And that's like, there's Yankees you're going to still love, right? Like, Tino left. Jeter was still there for me, but Bernie was still there. Like, it, you know, the the team will be there for you to like. And I think that's an important lesson to learn that, and it sucks, but it's a business built players will come and go. But as long as your team keeps putting good players on the field, you're, you know, you're, you're going to have, you know, do what you like. If, if, if judge leaves, we still got John Carlo, right? Like there's, there's, there's players there to root for. We still got Sevy and, I, I got, you know, I, I have no problem with how he answered that question. I think he was really addressing a child and how to handle that. So the kid's not too upset when, if, if judge leaves. Yeah, no, I, I didn't put much into it either. I, I would push back a little on the, oh, well, there's other Yankees to root for if judge leaves only because he's kind of on another level in terms of how good he is and how much he's, become the face of the franchise and if he does leave I think that would also be a pretty big stain on the Yankees themselves for not being able to to keep him and or even the fact that they've let it get this far without locking him up to to an extension so there would definitely be a, a lot of frustration on my end but I, I don't I don't think what judge said made me worry about that becoming a reality any any more than it it already is, which is not, not much, but I mean, all those things you said are true about Tino, I think, but I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think that it would have been much closer to like Jeter leaving than, than Tino, but yeah. But uh, I, I mean, yeah, life, life will go on. If you're a fan of the team, you'll, you'll find other players and yeah, it might take a while till you get another judge, but it happens. I mean, what, what can you do? All right. Well, before we have to worry about any of that, we've got a, a season to play and the Yankees have the best record in baseball starting off this break starting off coming out of this break with a, a huge double header and then on the road against a good Baltimore team but um yeah with these last few minutes or so Sean what are the biggest storylines what do you want to see the most uh in this second half I mean they're a little over halfway but this is widely seen as the second half of the season I mean, the biggest storyline is just that you're listening to the Bomber Brothers podcast, and don't forget to like and subscribe and listen and all that good stuff. So there, oh, yeah. put that put a put that plug in there. But no, I th- I think look, biggest storylines in the second half are health. See what happens when you get Sevy back, get these starters some rest, and go get a go get one more bat. Um, hopefully Juan Soto esque, but um, <laughs> they, you know they they definitely need um need. I think one addition to put them over the Astros. I think they're really close with the Astros and they need that kind of, you know, we saw it in 95 when Cone came over, they, they got charged up. We need, we need that kind of like uh spark. Um, it might be Castillo uh, coming to bolster the rotation. It might be Soto, but go get a big fish. Do not let the Astros get a big fish. You have to play defense against them. So um, 
yeah, I, I, for me, I, I'm really intrigued in how they're going to improve. Um, but at the same time, maintain um, what they've done by, by trying to stay healthy. And uh, I think we've seen judge kind of fall off. We've talked about that. Um, he had an amazing first half. I don't think that you can count on that for the second half. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but he's probably going to be more human. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, who picks up, who, who picks up that, that slack, who goes on that, who has that magical second half? Is it John Carlo? He could do it. Does Matt Carpenter stay, you know, God like does, you know, does uh, Donaldson finally start to hit? I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of possibilities. There's a, you know, there's a lot of potential and I'm excited to see like who kind of takes the reins there. Yeah, I think we saw Judge finding his groove a little bit just before the the end of the break with those two mm-hmm. blowouts against Boston. So hopefully that helps propel him into the second half of the season. But you mentioned Donaldson; that's one of the biggest ones I'm I'm looking at. I mean, he's been one of the top third base defenders in, in the league, and if he could complement that with any kind of offensive production, I mean, he's been he's been brutal this season. So if he can bring some kind of consistent power to the middle of that lineup. I think that would be massive for the Yankees. I think, I think it would be Donaldson and the rotation would be my two biggest um, improvements. I want to see coming out of the all-star break. Can, can Tyone get back on track? Can Cortez get closer to his early season form and not struggle as much with the long ball, I think they both gave reasons of promise that that can happen, and that that's still there just before the just before we got to the All Star break. So that would be that would be big for the Yankees. And like you said, go get a, a big bat, even a big arm like Castillo, or or a uh, bolster to to the bullpen as well, because that's got its question marks too. Outside of King and Holmes, I mean. Peralta's been been really good. He's obviously had his hiccups, but you have Castro injured now. Loizaga is back, but he's still not looking anywhere near like he was in 2021. We all know how much of a mixed bag Chapman is. It's not even as mixed nowadays. It's mainly just bad. But um, but the bull, the bullpen is super important. I think it's I think it's pivotal to keep that clear bullpen edge over teams like the Astros once you get to the playoffs, because that's going to be super important if you want to win a series and get to the World Series. So maybe go get a relief arm or make a big rotation splash like Castillo to give yourself insurance for guys like Severino or Nestor, guys you don't want to put as many miles on their arms for the rest of this season. And then, then the bat is huge. I mean, we we this is... The Yankees have the best record in baseball. They're on pace to be one of the best teams of all time in terms of regular season record. You, you can't go into this trade deadline and come out like it's 2018 with a Jay Happ and Lance Lynn and say, oh, well, once Seve comes back, that's like getting a getting a big trade acquisition or any of that BS we've heard in, in recent years. You, you have to be aggressive, use your minor league depth to your advantage and and for once, just like give us the the assertion that they're going all in and making this big push to to win a World Series. Yeah, I, I think that especially with the judge contract situation, Rizzo has an opt out. This team could look very different next year. Go all in. Um, let me ask you, though, Soto aside, let's put Soto on the shelf because I assume he's the number one guy you want. Um, if you can only have one out of a um, – a player other than Soto, 
who do you who would you prioritize as the top target after Soto? Uh, I mean, that's I don't know. That's tough to answer because I feel like it wouldn't be a bad if you're talking about top players because I think Castillo would be yeah would be the top one. I agree. To me, he's the biggest difference maker, even if it's not the area of the most need. It kind of just creates that super strength, which is what the Yankees did in 2017 with the bullpen, where they really didn't go out. And well, I mean, they got Sonny Gray, but you know, whatever. Um, but they they made a super bullpen, and and that's what carried them uh, to Game Seven of the the ALCS that year. So uh, I would just lean in and and get the best player available, who I believe is Castillo. Um, and then, you know, you can always get a bullpen arm for a prospect, you know, a, a David Robertson or, or whatnot. And Hey, if you get Robertson back and then, um, just run it all the way back and we'll have uh Britain come off the IL and, and be good to go. But yeah, and I, I think if, I think if you're looking at a bat outside of Soto, I think, you know, Ben and you can probably take off the board because of yeah his inability to play in Toronto, but I think I think Brian Reynolds would be the clear would be the clear alternative. He's still going to be a hefty price. He has yeah. three years of of a team control left, so the Pirates are going to want a lot. But if there is a team you could fleece in a trade, it is, it is the Pirates. They've shown that time and time again. So uh, definitely should be making some calls in the Pittsburgh to try to get him. That would give you another you know, prolific bat in the outfield. And again, I mean, imagine swapping Joey Gallo's at bats in the outfield with Brian Reynolds. That's an incredible shift. So I think the Yankees should be firmly in on him as well. If, if he's available, he might, he might not be despite how, you know, bleak things look continue to look in, in Pittsburgh because Reynolds still has a few years left of team control. So they could decide to, to hang on to him. Who knows? We'll see. All right. Last question over under second half home runs for, for uh carpenter 55. <laughs> oh man over way over yeah he, he might break maris's record in half yeah <laughs> Some, somebody tweeted that like there were two four home run games in 2017 like within a week of each other and there hasn't been one since and they were like i swear carpenter did this three times last week and yeah, like, yeah right. that's how it feels but anyway i'm looking forward to the second half uh I'm excited to talk to you about it as we go and excited to talk about more episodes of the captain Absolutely. We've got plenty to look forward to. Most importantly, base live baseball's back starting today with, with the Astros. So everybody enjoy it. Lock in. It's going to be an important few days here and we'll be back to talk about it early next week. Let's go Yanks.